everyone. Welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read all 1001 books you're supposed to read before you die and see if they're actually worth our time. I'm Chelsea, and I am a first grade teacher, but really my favorite thing to do is read. And so anything from children's lit to those crazier uh, new adult romances, I've got you covered. And I'm Nicole, a nonprofit worker, uh, and my favorite thing to read is historical fiction, and I will always offer up a random historical fact that I actually learned in a novel and I don't really know is true, but I will offer it to you as a real fact. And we have been exchanging book recommendations for about 15 years since we were 12. And we're really excited today because when we came up with the idea for a podcast, one of our friends, our really good friends, Amanda, helped us choose the very first book for our podcast, and it is... It's called The Midnight Examiner by William Kotzwinkel, and it was published in 1989. And you can tell. Yeah. uh, Out of all the books Amanda could have picked, she picked this one as our first one. Uh, unusual, unexpected choice, so prepare yourselves. Yeah, it's going to be a fun ride. So first we're going to um, give you, we're each going to give you the first word that comes to our mind for this book after since we've read it. So for me, that word is probably wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> that goes very well with my word, which is going to be madcap. Oh, see, that's a way more professional sounding. Way to go. You know, it's a teacher. Uh, and, and also, just in case you haven't read this book that came out in 1989, please be aware that we are about to go into a ton of spoilers. So if, if this is very important to you, pause now and read this novel and come back to us. There's not much plot, so really it shouldn't be that spoilery. Yeah, Chelsea, hit us with a quick plot. Um, so basically, there's this man who I already forgot his name because that is how much this book mattered to me. Um, that works at a newspaper. And he works at not like your normal type newspaper, but those crazy weeklies that you see. Tabloids. Tabloids. But even trashier than tabloids, it seems. And he works with this crazy cast of characters. Howard. His name is Howard. We found his name. (laughs) Howard. Works with this crazy cast of characters. And basically, one day, he meets this up-and-coming I say up and coming, but really she's just kind of a stripper. Um, Min Mitzi. And Mitzi is in trouble with the mob. And Mitzi drags Howard and all of his friends into this crazy adventure with the mob. And spoiler, in the end, Howard's just back working at the papers. Yeah, so my so I started this book and it's definitely satire, but it's also kind of dated. Like and so it's hard to really get into it, I would say, Chelsea, because maybe it's like saying things about like New York when it was going from being really gritty to being more modern, you know, that just now seem like irrelevant to us. Uh, and I also feel like there's a lot of books like this one in existence, and I'm still not sure why this is the one that made the list. <laughs> yeah, it felt, I, something I just felt about this book was it felt like a lot of the things that were happening in this book were really gratuitous. Like they were there not to move the plot forward, not to forward the satire, but just for, I don't know, Mr. Coxwinkle's entertainment. So there was a lot going on that really just felt ridiculous. Yeah, and so, because if a book centers mostly on a porn star who's running away from the mob, 
and uh, a group of tabloid writers who are helping her in order to get funny headlines to include in their in their newspapers and magazines. It's hard to take it seriously as like on a list that also includes like Jane Austen and Charles Dickens and stuff. Um, I would say the one thing I did like about the book that I actually did think was funny was that always throughout the scenes, the, the various writers, you know, some one person's writing true crime for the magazine, one person's writing romance, one person's writing household tips. And then every experience there that they're like coming up with headlines and saying them out loud and they're written out like in caps of capital letters. And those are pretty funny. Just like, Oh, like, so we saw their cab driver, you know, like was did this. And then, and then they're like, Oh, and he tells them about his daughter. And then they make up like a headline about that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, UFO found in a girl's uterus. Yes. Things of that, that nature. So that like, that like is sort of the whole book and it's pretty funny, but, um, but it also, like, it doesn't do anything to advance the plot. The yeah. Plot. And so, at the end, so they, you know, they're helping out this woman, they're helping her run away, and then she gets kidnapped by the mob boss. And then they go and um, try to rescue her, and their weapons are, like, a blow dart and a fishing pole. And and they beat, they, like, get her back, and then but the way they get out of it is that they make a deal with the mob boss and basically, like, start being funded by him at their newspapers um, for protection. So they just end up like embroiled in the like, like for crime families in New York city. Cause I think that the point of the book, if I had to say the point of the book, Chelsea, I would say that it was like New York city is changing from being really like 1970s New York where like buildings in the Bronx are being burned down for insurance money to like being like Giuliani's New York, you know, yeah. where it's like Times Square is a tourist destination, not a place for hookers, you know? And so, I think that's like what it's about and it's kind of, but it's also about how like that's pushing people out of the city. People like the characters in this book, which I guess is a relevant gentrification, you know, but even that kind of feels like a stretch, like pulling that theme out of it feels like a stretch. What do you think? I feel like there's other books and this isn't my genre that I read very often. I'm not big on the satire genre, but I feel like there's other books that do this better. Um, I just felt that because this was so dated, um, it's like where we're having to stretch to find the point about the gentrification or um, to find the point about the changing of a city, just in general, um, because it's so dated that it's not relatable any longer. So that made it very, very hard. Yeah, like I think if a book like this was published in 2017, it would be about, like, the aftermath of 9-11 in New York City and how it changed people, and that's what the satire would be about. Or, like, about, like, people of color being pushed out of, out of the city yeah. by, like, rich, white, mostly white people, you know? like And then we'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I get that, you know? But, like, this book came out a year after we were born. <laughs> yeah. So we're only, I've only ever learned about these times, like, from books, you know? I also found it really jarring in this novel because there's a lot of talk about um, races and oh, yeah. sexual identities that are very dated as well. And yeah, because <laughs> it almost, uh, similar to my comment about gratuitous use, it felt like he, the author was using it a lot, but not because it was necessarily needed to be in there. Yeah, but almost <laughs> just because, like, he thinks these things, like, which I hope that he doesn't. I mean, this is the guy who he wrote the book that E.T. is based on. I want to think that he's a good guy. <laughs> Side note. I did not know E.T. was based off of a book. No, 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 we did not. We did not know that. Uh, and I wonder if the book is good, but after reading this, I don't want to spend the time reading it. I gotta no, say. The movie really. is good. Maybe that's all Spielberg and nothing about the original story. Who knows? 
So, Chelsea, if you had to be a character in this book, which one would you want to be? If I had to be a character in this book, I, oh, I know, I would want to be the little taxi cab driver's daughter, who's just, like, there's this secret little badass character. Oh, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on our podcast. We are. We are. We did. Everybody cusses on our podcast. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) There's this little girl character, and she is... Hang on, pause. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So there's this little girl character, and she is just solely there for comic relief, it seems. I mean, I the teacher in me was really, truly horrified that there's a 12-year-old girl along on this adventure while they're going to a mob boss's house. Uh, but she is, like, the smartest character. Like, yeah. She's, she's the only one yeah. who seemed to have any intelligence. Uh, she really was trying to get the deal and sell some VCRs and I thoroughly enjoyed her. I just felt like she had a a lot of a like gumption. Yeah. That's a very nineteen eighty nine word I used to describe this book. Maybe like nineteen forty nine. Yeah. This little girl had a lot of gumption. So if I had to be anyone, I would be her because she's not spoiled by the terrible people in this novel yet. What about you? I think that I would be the cab driver because I really like that he's like, they just get in this cab randomly and they have the bad guys like tied up with in fishing wire and they want to go to this voodoo, um, like master's woman's house, um, to put spells on them so they'll forget to hunt their friend. Yeah. That's what this book is about. It gets real weird, guys. Uh, and I really like that. Um, he's just kind of like, Hey, I need... You guys are going to keep paying me money to be quiet about this? Fine. Like, I'm going to... You guys are obviously idiots. I'm going to hustle in this situation as much as I can. And then when they break into the mob boss's house, he's just, like, not even caring about finding the girl. He's just robbing them. He's just, just, like, in it for him. (laughs) And, like, and just, like, you guys are ridiculous. Um, But, like, I'm the one who has the right priorities, like, trying to, like, make a good life in the city for my daughter, you know? I Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that, too. And he was just, like... Robin, All right, like, fun. yeah, like, oh, this is life, like, great. <laughs> yeah, I also, my favorite line in the whole book came on page four, which tells you how much I liked this book, it, uh, is Howard is talking about how people from the magazines will send them, subscribers will send them crazy stuff, and someone who's a subscriber to one of their many magazines, but one focused on guns, um, sent him a crossbow pistol. And here's where the quote starts. In case I ever had to kill somebody quietly. Not something I thought likely. Which shows how much I knew. But this comes later in my story. Yes. That was my favorite part of the whole book. <laughs> the foreshadowing. <laughs> it was well done. It was well done. I mean, that's a good line. Like, if when you, like you know when you open a novel and you read the first sentence and it yeah. really catches you? Like, that would be a good first that, I thought there was hope for this book when I read that. And then I just... I just didn't connect to it in a way I wanted to. I didn't connect to it in a way that made me excited to read it, which was disappointing. Yeah, and I wonder, like, how many books in the list are going to feel like that? Because obviously a lot of the books in the list are, like, books that were, like, required reading in high school. Mm -hmm. um, Or, you know, like, international books that we haven't been exposed to before at all, you know, that are, like, from different, like, from Eastern cultures, you know, um, that, like, it's good that the list is international, you know, so it'll be something we never experienced at all. But I wonder, like, because some of them are really old, you know, like, like how many books are we going to be like, oh, we can't get it. But this seemed 
it felt like it was recent enough that we should have been able to get it, but we couldn't. Like, I feel like I can get something from the 1700s more than I can get this book. Yeah, and I felt like there just wasn't much takeaway from this book for me. So, mm-hmm. reading classics by authors from the 17 and 1800s, usually I feel like there's some takeaway, some putting me into a period or a space that I'm not a part of, or if it's from somewhere else in the world, putting me into a culture yeah, that like makes you want to learn about it. But, yeah, I agree with you that this felt close, and so it was odd that it wasn't relatable in any way, mm-hmm. because it is so close to now, and I sh- felt like I should be reading things into it, like being super like, oh, saying so much about the media and our need for media consumption, because with all those right. crazy headlines. I mean, I guess you could say that this is a book about fake news, which is very relevant to our time. Touche. <laughs> um yeah, and I, I also wonder if we're going to get any of that on the list about, like, that I'm sure most of the authors are male because yeah, of, like, the way stories worked, you know? Or even, like, authors that were really women but had to be published under a male name in order to get published, you know? And so that'll be interesting, too, because we're, we're both women, like, how we feel. About and it. I don't think this is the only book on the list that is going to be racist or misogynistic. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're homophobic. (laughs) In any way, shape, or form, it was just, it's just jarring when it's something so recent and it's so blatantly done and it doesn't seem like it's adding to its satire. So we'll probably have some good conversations about, like, how racist and homophobic and misogynist can a book be until it's not, just not, it's not worth having in, like, the zeitgeist of books that every human should read, you know? Because eventually, like, it's enough that it's not adding anything positive, you know? Like, how do you how do you balance that out? Like, Huckleberry Finn is really racist, but it's an yeah. American classic. And, I mean, I personally hate that book, but not particularly because of its racism, but that's also yeah. not good. But the uh, that's the one book that I said I would not reread to this podcast. <laughs> I've already read it twice in school, and that was enough. Uh, but maybe I would like it as an adult, but... And Chelsea said you would read The Great Gatsby. I hate that book, which probably just turned so many people off. But, that but I loved is. it, so you can keep listening for me. And I like the couple of your things, so, yeah. you know, we don't have exactly the same taste. We don't have exactly taste. the same taste, yeah. But, like, just, you know, like, I know that some people feel like Huckleberry Finn shouldn't be read in schools mm-hmm. because of, like, the N-word being in there a thousand times and how terrible that is, you know? And But then, like, I'll be like, oh, it has all this other value about, like, the history of America, you know? I know, so. and I think that that does speak a lot because a lot of our historical texts are texts that are from a time when that is very prevalent. Like, yeah. men were dominant, and not just men, rich white men. Yeah. So rich white men were the people who are writing the texts. Yeah. Most, I'm not going to say most, that's not true. Many books you can get something from, um, and they can still be important and vital, like you were saying, yeah. like the works of Huckleberry Finn, and the controversy is really good because it brings up discussion. Makes a good discussion. This one I don't think it Because was. maybe the fact that, like, we find the racism in here so jarring, even as two white women, you know? Like, yeah. that we're just, like, only can speak from our own experience and we're doing our best to, like, be aware of people. The, uh, that it's, like, that shows how drastically the world has changed in the last over 20 years, yes. you know, that it's been, like, much faster evolution than previously in American history, maybe, you know, that our generation is more aware than, like, just one generation before. True, it could could seem Because this author is probably, like, the age of our parents, you know? It's so close, but yet it's so not the way that I view the world or function within the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, as we're wrapping up, kind of talking a little bit about this book, one thing we really wanted to do was kind of each week 
have a fun way of saying whether we thought the book belonged on the list. Right. So this week we're going to say, let's say if the we think this book should get a rose or not. And I think you can probably tell from our discussion, Chelsea, what, what are you, are, this, are you going to give this book a rose? No. And I also am not going to get rose. It's completely flowerless. Um, <laughs> and so I would say if I was writing a thousand and one books, I would not put, make this book a must read. Um, I think they're, I haven't read them. <laughs> because right. I don't really read this genre. But I'm going to say I bet there are other books out there that do this better and do it in a way that's not as dated and is not as um, gratuitously socially incorrect. Yeah. Um, just for funsies. <laughs> and so if you have one, feel free to leave us a comment and say it in there. Yeah. Um, because I would love to read them and see if there's something else that does this better, but it just doesn't belong on the list for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so now we're, since this is our first episode, um, and we've wrapped up our discussion about the Big Night Examiner, we're going to each tell you a little bit about who we are as a reader so you can get to know us a little bit more. And so I would say, um, so I probably read like 70 novels every year. Uh, mostly novels, maybe like one or two nonfiction books. Um, if they kind of read like a novel, they'll hold my attention because uh, I do like to like learn from them. But and it's a lot. I read like a lot of historical fiction and a fair amount of like young adult like romances and fantasies and stuff because they're just so easy and fast and like world building. I really like that. And and I read a significant amount of like fantasy and sci-fi, but not like dime star novel fantasy books, yeah. but like more a little bit, a little bit like better writing quality fantasy books. And so the book I'm reading right now is called Uprooted. Do you know what the author of that book is? Naomi Noyavik. Or something. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say her last name. Chelsea recommended it to me. <laughs> and I, it's really good. And I, it's like, that's like a fantasy, a standalone fantasy novel. And it's really good. And I think I just, I like books that like create a whole, a whole world. Uh, and, and I would say my favorite, absolute favorite kind of novel is like a, like a, 800 page historical fiction novel that like follows one family over like generations in whatever setting. Like I really love Roots and there's another book called like The Tea Rose that's like a trilogy that follows this woman like over her like starting as a young woman and then she like, oh, we should read it. And she, uh, um, she like gets rich and like what happens, you know, like what, like, like what happens, what changes in her life and over like many, many years, um, mostly cause I'm a really fast reader. And so it takes a really long book for me to stay in that world for a long time. Uh, and so I would say often, I really love the books that other people who aren't big readers don't like at all. <laughs> and, um, I, um, Chelsea and I both share that we are huge Harry Potter fans, which probably informs a lot of my like fantasy reading. Also, we will always do a Harry Potter reread at any time. I want to say we're like card carrying members of the Harry Potter fandom. Um, our bodies <laughs> yes. are tattooed with Harry Potter. Yes, they are. <laughs> and we made a trip specifically to the UK to see the play. Yeah. So we're pretty much trash for Harry Potter. Yeah, and we're and it's like a lifelong commitment, <laughs> and and we have a like a. We pretty much still have a Harry Potter like bucket list of Harry Potter things we want to do. So yes. So I kind of reader you. Outside of Harry Potter, I've always been a really um, fast reader, and I'm always reading two or three books at a time. I, as a little kid, was really into Holocaust novels oh, and Laureen yeah. mm-hmm. McDaniel's, who wrote these crazy sad books about kids with cancer. I love those. Really, I just liked to cry. 
Um, and that still kind of stands. I really like those heart-wrenching books where you're just basically hysterical for the whole thing. Um, but I also kind of mesh that up because I do read a lot of young adult dystopian and young adult sci-fi um, and fantasy, probably more fantasy than sci-fi, but occasional sci-fi novels. Currently, I am finishing up the um, Monsters of Men series uh, by Patrick Ness. I can't think of what the first one is called right now. Oh, The Knife of Never Letting Go. Um, and I'm really liking that series. It's really good. You should read it. Uh, <laughs> Nicole and I trade uh, book recommendations all the, all the time. And so I'm really into that. I do tend to read less historical fiction than Nicole does, but I do really like it. I just don't read it as often. A lot of times I find that during the school year when I'm teaching, I just want to read easy young adult fiction that doesn't make my brain work. So this podcast should be an interesting challenge because it's not going to yeah, be. because eventually like we're going to read War and Peace. <laughs> and we're just going to cry. Yeah. Not from the sadness, just from the length. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, like, yeah, we overlap in, like, Harry Potter and, like, think kind of in that genre and then, like, young adult, like, fantasy and dystopian and World War II. Except, except yes. World War II. We're always a team those. And then we also both like other things that the other person did. Yeah, I I love me a good World War II book. Again, yeah. because you're going to cry. Yeah, like, all the light we cannot see. That oh. was, like, the best, like, number one on the New York Times list. That's so good. So good. And I feel that this is very important to me as a reader. My favorite book outside of Harry Potter, because that's a series, so it doesn't count. Is a tree grows of Brooklyn, which I recommended to her when we were like thirteen years old, <laughs> and I will never live down. Uh, and I just love that book so much, and it's just such a really good story about a girl in the nineteen twenties growing up in New York. I would have rather read that than the Midnight Examiner. Uh, same setting, you know. And so I, yeah. Do you have your favorite book besides? I have Potter? such a hard time because I had. I used to say Roots. But then I've only read that once, and it was a long time ago. But I do love that book, and I feel like I learned a lot from it. And I, I, Alex, I, Alex Haley, and I, like, mm-hmm. he's a really good writer. Um, and I used to say uh, Peace Like a River, which I think I read in high school by, I think it's like Eng- Leif Enger, I think is the mm-hmm. author's name. And I really like that one, but it's been so long since I read it. I don't even, like, totally remember the story. I just remember really enjoying it. So I have a really hard time with that. And so when I, the way I keep track of one, ever since 2007, I have a little notebook. I write down all the books I read, and I have a system. And I put one star if they were really good, and I would recommend them two stars if they were, like, outstanding uh-huh. or no stars. And that way, when I, like, want to buy someone a book as a gift, I can, like, go back through, and then I'll remember what they're about. In fact, I'm going to hit 500 books in that notebook this year, 500 books nice. in 10 years. Um, <laughs> great high five. Um, and so, yeah, it's really hard for me. Maybe it'll be a book on this list. I don't know. I, I have hope. I know it's it's kind of weird because we started this list on a book we didn't like. Which Thanks, is, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> which has made this podcast, this first one, a little bit more awkward to film because we don't really have a lot of meat to talk about other than how much we didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't feel like my soul has been changed by this book. No, I mean? but I am hopeful going forward because I know that there's a lot on this list and there's bound to be some that you hate yeah. and some that you like. Also, we should say we went through and we counted what we'd already read. And I, I had read about 50 of the 1,001, and you had read, like, about 30 mm-hmm. or 35. So that leaves plenty left yes. open. And so speaking of the list, so every week we're going to choose the next book out of out of kind of a jar full of the names of every book. And so uh, we're going to choose this week's yeah. um, first. And so, Chelsea, you want to reach in the jar and get one? 
Okay, what's the name and of the book? It says Pavel's, Pavel's, something like that, Letters. Okay, so based only on the title, what do we think that's about? Letters. I, I think maybe, you know, I really love novels too that are written in like the form of letters, like they're, the whole novel is told in letters uh -huh. and like other things besides prose. Maybe it's a book like that. Pavel sounds like a, like, Eastern dog. European type name. Yeah, like East German, Eastern European type name. Pavlov. It sounds like Pavlov's dogs. Yes, but it's not Pavlov. <laughs> Pavel. 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 But that's what I'm getting. I also think letters, it's going to be a little bit older because it's going to be yeah. using letters as a form of communication. Oh, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so we will have to see. There is an exception to this. If we draw a book that we cannot find, because we've heard on the list there are some that are unfindable. In fact, this first one, it, even though it's on the list, it's out of print, which it's very strange to me that a book's on the list and it's out of print. But luckily, we live in the age of Amazon, so Amazon saved us. Yeah. But if we do on the podcast say we're choosing a book and it is... Um, not in print, or we can't find English. it, or thousands of dollars, because we both work in careers that are not money-making, nope. <laughs> uh, we will just insert a little change saying, oh, this is the next book we chose, and kind of skip it, because for sanity's sake, you can't try and get all a thousand and one, one some just don't exist. Yeah. We also just, even though we're both such book lovers, we both try to not spend a lot of money on books. We do a lot of library, and Kindle library, and... But, but both of us, when we talked about this podcast, we're like, oh, we can buy all a thousand books. It's going to be so great. And buy new bookshelves. And in a way that only a really crazy reader can feel about it being excited about having a thousand more objects to haul around in life. But, uh, <laughs> and even this one that we didn't like, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we bought it. I'm really excited to put it on my bookshelf. I'm going to leave my little stickies because I never sticky in books. I put little post-it flags in them. I'm going to uh, leave my post-it flags in because I'm pretty proud of it. Oh, I just broke my ear and right when it was in my ear. That's so sad. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, well, other than that, we don't have much for the first one. This one's a little short because we're just kind of getting our sea legs on how we're going to be doing it. And um, the book was terrible. <laughs> and the book was terrible. It was also a short book. It was only 226 pages. Um, so on top of being a short book and not having very much mean, it, there just really isn't that much to discuss. But we do want to remind you to rate and review our podcast because it would mean a lot to us and it would help make it so that other people could listen and hear our discussion of the books. Um, so if you liked it, please rate and review. And if you didn't, I mean, you can, but I don't want the negative review. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not like comedians who are trying to be actors who would like want the like feedback, you know, we're just regular people. Um, but I, and we, if you like have read this book or read books in this genre that you think we should check out, um, let us know what they are and we'll read them and talk about them. So. Oh, and I would love to read recommendations and then talk about them in future podcasts, especially with genres that we're less familiar with. Yeah. So that sure. would be really great to be able to say, oh, not I just think there's better books than this. I've now read one. Yeah. <laughs> not just assuming because there has to be something better than this one because it's yeah. so good. Yeah. So, yay! We are so excited to be on this journey with you. However many of you there are listening, I just waved at the computer screen. You couldn't see. It's totally fine. <laughs> All right. So that, that's the end of this one. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we love to hear if your comments. We love to hear if you have books in the genre that you really love that you think we should read. Um, We'd love to have listeners that aren't my boyfriend and our friend Amanda. Yeah. So <laughs> can't wait to get to know you better. Bye. <laughs>